Hello, you absolute legends. Hope you are well. At the time of recording this episode, I have the real-life coronavirus. Um, It's not great, if I'm honest. I can't taste anything. I can't smell anything. So I can't taste my coffee in the morning. I haven't been able to have Maltesers for at least five days. That is a problem for me. So um, all I'll just say is, look, guys, be careful, you know. I'm not going to tell you to wear a mask and all that, but just wash hands. Do whatever you want, but try not to get the virus because it sucks. Um, that's that's your public safety amount announcement. So you can have that for free. Coronavirus sucks. Heard it here first. This episode of A Need to Read is one that left me feeling super inspired. And Justin Moran from The Hidden Sea, he is the founder of this company who do wine and they are more than just a wine company, which you will hear about in the podcast. They've got a message and they've got a mission and it's super, super cool and it's super inspiring to listen to. And hopefully you'll feel informed and inspired as I am after this conversation. But before we get into the conversation, just a quick word from the sponsors of the podcast. Now, better help sponsor the podcast BetterHelp provide an online therapy service to millions of people all over the world. They're a company that's based in the United States and they are doing a terrific job of matching people with therapists and getting them seen in a quick and timely manner and also to a pretty high standard. I use BetterHelp myself and I cannot fault the service that I'm receiving at the moment. I've been therapy for over two years now and it's changed my life and I don't see why you would be any different. If you are uncertain on the direction your life is going in, if you feel anxious more often than not, if you feel depressed more often than not, there is no shame in reaching out for help. And let's be honest, sometimes the help that you receive from friends or family members just isn't going to cut it. So speaking to a professional is kind of the way to go. As an A Need to Read listener, you get 10% off your first month. All you have to do is head to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read Run through the questionnaire and you'll be matched with a therapist within 48 hours. But that is enough about the sponsors for now. And I'm going to apologise for my nasally voice, but I've got the virus. So what can you do about it? I love you all. Enjoy the podcast. So, Justin... Welcome to A Need to Read. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on. Obviously, you are CEO mastermind behind Hidden Seas Wine and um, introduced to me by a mutual friend of Jake, um, who just said that you met you on holiday and you just kept chatting about books with him. Yeah, mate. Um, firstly, Ed, thanks for having me. It's a, a, a pleasure. Um, this will probably listen to my business partner, who is the CEO of uh, the Hidden Sea. So I won't take that title <laughs> off him just yet, nor do I want the responsibility. Um, being a little less structured than him, <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly not the CEO. But um, yeah, no, I met Jake recently, and what a ripper of a guy he is. Um, and we hit it off. You know, when you you know people talk about energy, but you know, it's the energy and what you're interested in. Like-minded people hang around hang around with similar like-minded people. And we just started talking about books and our businesses and what he's done in his property movement and, um, you know, short-term accommodation is uh, nothing short of inspirational. And I shared some of my story with him and um, and he led us to you, mate. So um, thanks for having me again. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. I like I've I've checked out obviously Hidden Seas, and I love what you're doing with the company. But it'd be good for the audience who haven't already clicked on the link that will be in the description of this episode to go to your website. Just a little bit of a background on on Hidden Seas first, and then we'll go into sort of how how you got there. Yeah, um, yeah, the Hidden Sea is a um, is a full purpose wine brand. Um, when I entered into the wine industry with Richie, we um, had a very clear um, goal, if you can call it a goal or mission, is to do is to build a brand that um, people could buy into, something bigger than ourselves, and and and, and gave back, not just in a in a vineyard sense, in a winemaking sense, but all the way through what we do with our profits. So. Hidden Sea has, a, as I said, a, a really clear uh, purpose. Um, one wine, one mission to remove plastic from the world's ocean. And I'll explain the link to that in a second. Um, and um, who is it for? It's for socially conscious consumers. Um, we want to uh, help our consumers to become more. It's not just about the Hidden Sea creating change, Ed. It's much about uh, empowering our consumers to make a change happen and then allowing them to feel part of something bigger than themselves. But where it really comes... Um, where, where, where it really comes down to is what we promise our consumers or people who drink our wine. And this has been the game changer for us, even though it took us five years to get to this simple statement. But every time someone drinks one bottle of the Hidden Sea, we remove the equivalent of 10 uh, single-use plastic bottles out of the world's ocean and recycle them. And we have a really large goal. By 2030, we want to remove a billion plastic bottles or the equivalent of a billion plastic bottles out of the world's ocean uh, and recycle it. Wow. Um, I'll, um, I'll just launch straight into um, how we came about ocean and ocean health. You know, we've been yeah. a part of, um, well, I grew up, both Richie and I grew up, uh, as Aussies do, in and around the ocean. Um, however, where, where it becomes really relevant for the Hidden Sea brand, where our vineyards lie today in the southern part of South Australia, is, on the old, is, is part of the old uh, seabed. Millions of years ago, the limestone coast is the region was covered by the Great Southern Ocean. A series of ice ages happened and leaving fossilised limestone. Apart, apart from having fossilised limestone, there's lots of ancient fossilised relics. However, the Hidden Sea is really a play on words. It's the old seabed, so the Hidden Sea. But where the story gets really interesting, um, there's a, a vineyard uh, where we source our fruit from called the Whale Bone Vineyard, still today in a cave lies an estimated 26 million year old fossilized whale. So as we started to talk about purpose and how important that was to our brand, it was a natural gravitation to ocean health. Um, and since the conception of the brand back in 2015, we've always had a purpose of giving back and being a part of ocean health. Um, and that was that was the the, the, the the alignment of clearing up plastic out of the ocean, making a tangible difference on, on, uh, on our ocean with, with our commerce. Yeah, yeah, that's sick. I imagine you're obviously too busy to go and pick up all the bottles yourself and, and get your wetsuit on. So how how is it that like companies can do it? Because I know can, people can do like carbon offsetting with like planting trees where you just pay a company a certain amount per month. Is yeah. it kind of similar with, with cleaning bottles? It is similar. Um, I'll just touch on the carbon offset. We export wine around the world. In the UK, we're fortunate enough to have some great retail support with Asda, Sainsbury's and Co-op. So there's a carbon, um, there's a carbon footprint there. There's a carbon footprint, even though the glass bottles are 94% of our glass bottles are, we we believe has been recycled. Depends on which market. Um, however, we're in the process of becoming carbon neutral as a business. We we absolutely value that. But 
um, from our point, going back to our promise and why we do what we do, um, we worked with a company called the Reese Project, which was formed back in 2019. Um, however, their sister company, OWP, Ocean Waste Plastic, where they take plastic out of the ocean and turn it into um, um, ocean waste plastic products, had been around for several years. Um, so we pay how it actually works, and then let's explain a little bit about the Reese Project, how it actually works. We purchase per kilo, so it costs eight euros per kilo of plastic. Um, in a kilo, um, so every case we sell, we purchase a kilo of plastic, which has come out of our ocean. Um, and in a kilo, there's equivalent to about 60, you know, 500 or 16 ounce single use water bottles. So that's how we wow. get the 60 water bottles per case, six bottles per case equals 10 bottles um, per every single bottle of the hidden sea sold. So it's a really simple message. That's how we clear the, um, clear the, um, uh, that's how we get the, um, the, 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 um, the brand promise is via that, that each kilo of plastic we remove. Um, yeah. I guess from being a part of Ocean Health and for a long time now, but seriously in our business for since 2015, we've dealt with and or come across a lot of NGOs um, and a lot of people doing great work. The problem I have um, when we're trying to communicate percentage of profit, even um, even things like what does carbon neutral mean, but percentage of profit to Ocean Health or a dollar amount, people need to understand clearly Drinking this bottle does X. And it took us a long time to get to there that to that promise. One bottle equals 10 head. But yeah. for me, it was a lot about education. A lot of these NGOs were flip-flopping around with the actual tangible difference that people could buy into. That they knew you were doing good work. They knew people knew that money was getting put in the right place. But what actually were we doing apart from education? And what I love about Reese, they're only one of two, think about all the NGOs collecting plastic out of the ocean or claiming to collect mm. plastic out of the ocean. There's only two organizations who I rate, who are the leaders, who are the best in practice. First is the ocean cleanup guys out of Netherlands. Out of the Netherlands. They're, they're tackling lots of plastic. Their, their core focus was the, the, um, the great um, garbage, pat the great plastic garbage patches, uh, Pacific oh, yeah. garbage patches. And, all, and then also rivers and streams, really excellent organization. Um, and then Reese is the other. Um, and it's not just about how they collect the plastic. It's also how it's captured in a blockchain technology that it can't be, that it's encrypted and can't be um, played with. Then it's about the human rights. Then it's, then it's about what happens to the plastic after it's collected and where it goes. And then it's mm -hmm. also the United Nations um, initiatives ticking those boxes. But for me, they're very easy to get um, ticked off on, but to be certified by a, an organization called DNVGL, which is call it the PWC standard of assurance. They're the largest assurance company or certifier of ISO standards in the world to be mm -hmm. at that level gives me confidence and should give our um, customers and our staff confidence that we're working with an organization is doing not only what they say they're going to do, but at the highest standard um, commonly known uh, globally. So a long answer to your question. I'm sorry, Ed. <laughs> I'm either a really bad guest or, or, or a really good guest because it nah, it's good. Out. It's good. It's all. Cheers, it's mate. it's all. It's all value. It's um. It is win. I think people in Westernized countries aren't actually that. They don't see the the pollution in the ocean that much. And I've I just come back from living in Bali from like November to March. 
like you go for a surf and you have to paddle your way through at least seven or eight little plastic bottles that make their way into the sea and it is minging and it all washes up on the beach but like i, I live in dorset so same as um jake in england like you don't yeah, see yeah. plastic bottles washed up people will leave them there because people yeah. are scum but yeah. you don't see them washed up like you do in, yeah. in the other countries. So we're kind of like sheltered from it. So it's, it's cool to see like taking the initiative and, and, and pushing that out there. Yeah, I would, I would encourage you to go, usually when, in the, when it hits the shores of even, uh, uh, you know, Northern Europe um, and, um, and um, in the UK, is to go through the sand and you'll find a lot of microplastics, which is being absorbed by marine life. But to your point regarding Bali, there was a line in the sand for me. We were in uh, Vietnam. I was at a, a brand new resort in Phu Koc. I, I probably said that wrong, but that's that's how it sounds. Um, and I went for a swim being an ocean guy. I didn't have, I wasn't, I wasn't surfing that day, but I went in the ocean just for a swim. That's where we, that's, that's you just don't go into resort pools where I come from, straight yeah. in the ocean. And mate, I, I was, I actually, I didn't, I, I thought I was being not attacked. I'm like, what's this fish? I'm trying to look. And there was, I was swimming in plastic, you know, and I've seen it in Bali and around those areas, but I, I, I haven't really spent a lot of time in Bali. I try to, you know, I have in my younger years, but um, it really, it really dawned on me. I'm like, I'm involved in ocean health and, and I'm actually swimming in plastic at a luxury resort where it's meant to be brand new, pristine, but the water is so contaminated with plastic in the water, I had to do something about it. And and as when you make, when you have the courage, and that's one of our values, um, to take on something bigger than themselves, than yourselves. And yes, we were doing things in ocean health. I'm like, how do I find? And it took really Richie and I, 18 months of traveling around the world, talking to literally flying and via phone back then, um, but flying dealing with NGOs and ocean health leaders. And if you name an organization whether it's the ocean cleanup guys or four oceans or you name it i've either dealt with the founders or the marketing team to try and understand how are we going to remove the plastic yes education is important reduction of single-use plastic recycling i'm not a fan of um, it's like dare i say it uh, people who are fat and they want to lose weight i'll give you the tip stop eating if you want to stop the plastic problem stop using single-use plastic products that's number one recycling is not the, the answer or, or, or creating yeah. new products which are biodegradable. Then it's the collection of plastic. And when you see these, when you get, get on Reese's website or Four Oceans or any of this, and you see the islands, literally islands of plastic, and you, you've experienced it, um, that's in a surfing area where they're trying to keep the beaches clean. Get out of the get out of the tourist areas and see what the what's happening is is frightening. And I've, I think as humans we have a responsibility to the next generation. And I don't know if you've got children, Ed. I, I do. And, mm-hmm. and I wanted to look them in the eye and say, well, I saw something. I, had, I, I don't know if I did, made a dint, but I gave it my best crack. And I used um, my commerce, my business, to create a movement instead of another drinking moment to, to raise awareness. And we saw, we saw the problem here, and this is what we did. Kids don't give a shit about how much wine I sell or how many bottles or how much money we make, or you know, failures yeah. or successes. They they care about the 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 the, the what we leave for them, um, and 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 the environment's the most important asset we've got as the human race. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember well watching that thing on Netflix um, about the sea recently. That was just about like all the fish just 
going and all these dolphins safe tuna and stuff like that. Like it is, it is eye opening. It's it's almost as if people are just like starting to give a shit now. Yeah, and I mean, thank yeah. God for vegans because, like, I know vegans can be quite irritating <laughs> sometimes, but like, they're they're doing a lot to to create this nice propaganda that's that is 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 waking people up to it. Um, but yeah, so you said said about recycling not not being that sort of useful. Is it, it literally a case of like if you stop using single use plastic altogether, that's going to be the best thing you can do? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it becomes a philosophy, but I'll just give you a stat from the WWF and it's quite quite well known, but only 9% of plastic since 19, correct me, I could get the date wrong, but 1963, um, only 9% of the plastic uh, that's been produced has been recycled. And it's really simple. I'll tell you why it hasn't been recycled. It's not cost effective to recycle plastic. It's expensive. And yeah. virgin plastic is... Um, is um is um is a lot cheaper. So, just like the Seaspiracy documentary, the thing that shocked me out of that, um, of course, I've I've watched loads of things like that, and, and people come to to me and ask me that question every single dinner party. People ask me about mm-hmm. it because they know my business, they know me, and I'm passionate about it. And probably what they think I am I am um, I'm shocked shocked as I'm not because I've seen a lot of it. And and there's some stuff in there I don't agree with. However, it's a great documentary because it's creating awareness on a mass scale. However, MSC, right, which people used to ask me about, you know, sustainable fishing and all that kind of stuff. And I would say, listen, if you don't have a fishmonger, and I was lucky enough, my mum taught me, never buy your stuff from the supermarket, your fruit and veggies. I hope my uh, retail partners don't hear this, but you go to, <laughs> go, go, to, go to the butcher, go to your f- a fishmonger and go to where the fr- fruit and veggies come understand where your produce comes from. You know, I come from the country, Richie comes from the country, it's built in our DNA. Um, yeah. For-profit businesses usually don't care about their, their consumers um, and what's, as we know, what's happened with the way we've been fed from our big retailers is, is not the right way to go. But what yeah. really got me is that MSC, which I didn't know, is owned by Unilever. That's like fucking Weight Watchers being owned by, by McDonald's. So we've got a governing body who's one of the biggest, you know, a governing body of one of the biggest organisations yeah. who have ulterior motives. And then when you start to now that I'm starting to look into MSC and the certification and people like Jamie Oliver and all these chefs are like, they're putting their names behind it. And, and now it's like, hang on a minute, it's owned by Unilever. And I don't, I don't know if they can be trusted of what, you know, the way they've acted and treated our environment for many, many years. Yeah. Um, so... That was one of the shocking things out of that documentary for myself, mate. Yeah. Is that why you, I suppose you're probably glad that you've been so diligent in checking on the uh, people who are taking stuff out of the ocean, like the Reese you were speaking out at the start. Yeah. Well, yeah. When it was how it came about, I was, um, Richie and I were eyeballed by one of our board members saying, um, like, if we're going to continue to do this and we've, you found this organization who that you can guarantee it one thing they need to do, but whatever the highest standard is, they need to be certified. If we're going to build a brand, where a brand is doing one thing, is developing trust with its audience. And as we know, especially in this world, get one thing wrong and it can crumble overnight. It doesn't matter how many years of good work you've done. And it's our responsibility to have the utmost integrity, not only in the way we source our fruit, the way we make our wine, the way we transport it, the whole supply chain. But if we're making one promise, one equals 10, we need to understand what's happening to that. And I've got to tell you, one of the proudest things I've been a part of because I, 
I um I was been I was was one of the um, we Hidden Sea was the founding uh, um, customer of uh, Reese, um, and so I was across the whole journey. But I don't know if you have any comprehension how difficult it was not only to run a business um, last year, but to to mm. actually be certified to build blockchain technology and work in a third world country during a pandemic and then get certified. And being only one of two, it's been able to do that. And I think there's something like 67, yeah. 67, 69 people have gone for this certification in Ocean of Health and failed. And wow. Reese um, was, um, was fortunate enough to get that, built the blockchain technology and done that through a pandemic and, and in, in addition to that in, in some of the uh, environments. And, and another thing, the human side, Reese pays its staff 190% above the United Nations um, base wage. So the human element of the collection of our trash, dare I say, uh, and the human element and the fishermen, the stories behind it is something I can't wait, Ed, in the coming years as our brand builds and blossoms, that these fishermen who are collecting plastic now, only five to 10 years ago, and generations were collecting fish to feed their family. They're feeding their family now because there's no fish. And 54% of the plastic in the UK goes to either Turkey or the U or, or Turkey or, um, um, or Southeast Asia, um, which is, so it's our plastic um, in the first world and, and the third world's dealing with it. Um, how, fortunately, they've got something to do and they can feed their families better than they have done for many years. But it's yeah. crazy when you think about that, 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 that thought like sea spiracy, there's actually no fish to fish for these local farm, local village people. They're fishing plastic <laughs> and they're making right. more money. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's mad. It must, it must feel good. And there's certainly something to be proud of is, is to be able to step into the third world and be able to provide jobs for people who literally just need work. And, and need it work. must make you feel so, so grateful. I remember sort of being in Bali, I'd go down the road 50 meters away from my house there'd be a little girl doing a shit in a stream and i'd like it's just a, a whole nother world was open up to me i was like that is horrendous so that's someone's living conditions and and being able to play a part in in sort of providing a, a livelihood for those people must be pretty special yeah it is i look at us richie and i and the hidden sea as the facilitator um and this goes back to the point i made before it's much about us uh, as an organization empowering consumers to make change happen. I believe the human race is majority good, one of the percentages, but people are just, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? It's all too much. I know it's a problem. And this is what goes back to our promise, right? Um, one bottle equals 10. We allow people to be a part of the solution. Um, and there's an interesting stat and there's some different stats on it. And one of the one of our internal um, um I say environmental geeks will, will probably pull me up on this, but um, approximately, um, give or take, depends where you live. We we produce we we use you and I use about fifty five kilos of plastic um, in our year in one year. Um, so only nine percent of that will get recycled. However, ten percent roughly will end up in the ocean somewhere um, around the world. Believe it or not, uh, even if we we think we're doing the right thing, putting it in the recycling bin. So by just drinking the hidden sea, right, we can make you plastic neutral um, because we'll pull that 10% back out of the ocean. Um, nice. Um, so there's, 
that's that's the, the uniqueness of us. Yes, it, it feels rewarding, and we do. We're it's, we're a global community and all that kind of stuff. But it's more about, especially with our allies and our ambassador program. You'll see on our website. You know, we've got people, a famous UK influencer, Lucy Donalds, and who we don't pay mm. any of our ambassadors to talk about our product, but she believes strongly enough in what we do. She drinks our product and she promotes our product on that. And we have a yeah. list of them on our website where it's not just about Richie and I and our staff and Reese. This is a global yeah. problem and it needs people like yourself. Just being on the podcast today, Ed, you're making a difference. More people hear about this. They can engage yeah. through, <clears throat> excuse me, with Reseed or they can buy the Hidden Sea. But it's, again, it, we're reinforcing the message of this plastic crisis we've got. And you've experienced it firsthand in Bali, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's um, it's it's a cool thing, and people definitely get behind it. Like when Jake is Jake is always trying to like pitch me people to come on the podcast now, and uh, when he said about hidden teas, like it's it's the message behind it that got me interested because like you can put a post up on LinkedIn and get someone who's done well in business, but when it's something that's like behind the brand, like it's 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 super important. But um, more on on you before we get into sort of like books and and stuff like that. What was it? that has sort of led you to Hidden Seas? I know you said it started about five years ago. What were you doing before? How, how have you sort of become, because obviously it's uh, the secret's out, it's, it's a successful business, not to the point where you want it to be just yet because you haven't cleared the billion bottles. But yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> what, what have you done before? Oh, <laughs> we did a whole different podcast for my life story. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we should we should have grabbed a beer and and wine yeah um we should have grabbed a, a wine or a beer together um uh, prior to the, the podcast but no i i um i um yeah i've been a serial entrepreneur and i and i, I hesitated then because i hate using the word mm. um oh, entrepreneurial becomes a buzzword but since i was 15 i started my first business um mowing lawns and when i got to the ripe old age of 18 i sold that business as my first successful business sale yeah. um I, I definitely had some uh some doozies between the here there and then but i had 28 full-time staff and i was still in school so i had i was managing 28 <laughs> full-time staff at the age of 18 so i went on i, my, I was in hospitality for many years uh, both in retail food then um like any young bloke uh, i had a dreamed to have my own bar and you know, I had bars and clubs in my early twenties, um, which probably um, I, I felt trapped to all the trimmings that come along with that. Um, mm. Blew myself up in, in you know, late twenties, uh, actually lost everything. Um, and, and then I, and then I started restructuring from, um, from, from the ground up again. And, uh, and I went on a, um, a journey and a couple of different journeys. Uh, but I guess the main play was a company called Funky Sexy Cool, which we sold into the US back in 2004. Um, it was in the top 100 US private companies rated by Red Herring um, in Ooh. 2008 and seven, raised a whole heap of equity. And basically it was, um, it was a pre-version um, of Instagram on your phone. It was called Funky Sexy Cool. You basically upload your life um, and people rate funky, sexy, cool instead of liking. Um, and I had a chance to get out, came out, moved back to Australia and um, went into back into food. And, um, you know, I don't know if you know the, um, 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 the, the fresh sliced fruit uh, in bags and so on, uh, McDonald's sell them. I took that concept to Australia 
built it up, sold it back to the farmers. And, and mate, as I was exiting out of that business back in the 2012 slash 13, um, the guy was, um, I was, um, did the did the deal for me he said how about you getting how about would you like be interested in getting into wine and mate that's how it came about that's that was wow. the thought process and so um i had a very good friend richie vandenberg who's my business partner who um i knew from the last agricultural play i was involved in that if you don't understand the land you, you're really setting yourself up for failure and he's a three generation even though you might know him and people on the podcast know him from his sporting career he was um, played a professional sport for 10 years, heading up um, probably the most successful sporting team in the modern era in Australia, the Hawthorne Football Club. Um, Aussie Rules, of course. Um, um, he was a three-generation grape grower. He had vineyards. He was investing in vineyards as he was through his playing career. And we came together. Um, and although we are completely different um, people, um, um, personalities, I think we've driven by a strong connection about values and whether it's people, you and I, Ed, as friends, or, or if it's going to be Richie mm. and I, values holding you together. And I always say values first, then your purpose, then your brand promise, then your BHAG or big, hairy, audacious goal, your big goal, then your promise. And it's in that order. And Richie and I shared the same values, which led to our purpose for the hidden sea, um, having a higher purpose. It originally started off, we, we always said we wanted original purpose when we started our business in 2013. Um, our core company is called Limestone Coast Wines. Um, our brand focus and our only brand focus is the hidden sea. It was to enhance people's lives. Um, and then we yeah. went on a journey to find out what that, that means. And I think like everything, you're going to get things wrong. And we try to instill in our staff, our staff and our team, right? Have the right intentions, right? Um, have a pure motive and then have a crack. And that was our stage. And, and as we got to where with the hidden sea, we launched in, in 2015, um, it was, you know, um, I was trying to get our purpose and we had, you know, some catchy words and it was a, a bit slick the way you sort it, but it was really until we got that partnership with Reese, we got that tangible difference and we rechanged our, um, re redefined, not changed, defined our, our purpose, one, one, one mission to remove plastic from the ocean and, and our, um, our, our promise and our, um, and our goal was all reset um, July 1, and, you know, it's funny when, you know, it, it took us five years and, and constant losses in the brand year after year. Um, and that's tough, as you can imagine. But it was yeah. once you get that bit of magic um, and the growth in the brand in the last 11 months, 11 and a half months, has been nothing short of astonishing. Yeah, that's amazing. It's, it's funny, all the people that I speak to on the podcast, whether they're authors or they've got their own business, they're running something successful. It's, it always tends to be the case that like something didn't quite go right at the start. Like you said, it was like five <laughs> years of making mistakes and, and people stick at it. And I came to this realization the other day of all these self-help books I'm reading. The unfortunate truth is, and, and like no one's more annoyed about this than me, is that you just have to kind of work hard and stick at something for it to work. <laughs> and as much yeah. as and yeah. as nice it would be if it was easy you do just have to do stuff to make yeah. your yeah. life work for you in the way that you want it to um and it's always super yeah. inspiring to hear people talk about it because it just reaffirms it reaffirms it and i think people have to hear that message at least 600 times before they let it sink in um yeah cool. and mate this is this is why you know the entrepreneur thing i probably use it more than i than i you, you used to 
is because of that that that, that number one rule. Well, it, it's probably not number one on my list, but you know, I'll give you the the, the philosophies you know which I share with my 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 kids. You know, since before they can talk, you know, yeah. is always give. You know, no matter what what engagement you go into, come to the table wanting nothing. And it's simple physics, right? If you want to be warm in life, you firstly have to put wood into the fireplace. You cannot stand there screaming and say, I deserve warmth. Always give. The more you give, and right, and the more technique you give with your giving, the more warmth and the more fire will be generated. Um, and, and, it, and then this will flow into what we're talking about. Everything's fucking hard until it becomes easy. And if you apply discipline and consistency in what you're doing, um, it will become easier and then it will become automatically rewarding. And there's no silver bullets. So you've got to fucking work hard and never, ever, ever, ever give up. Um, change your tactics, yes, right? Change the courses, but never give up. Um, yeah. And if you see things through, no matter what level of success you get, I, I don't honestly never focused on that. Um, yes, we've got a BHAG goal that we share, uh, uh, so a big goal for the hidden seed because we want to put ourselves out there and we want to get people to buy into something. But it's not not about certainly not about money. You know, yeah. like we talk about change and making real change happen, and it's funny. You know, go, go speak to a great chef, go speak to a Formula One driver. Go speak to a great tennis player. Go speak to someone who's got a successful podcast. And guess what? Mm. There's a lot of unrewarded, unrewarded work. When when no one's watching you, you've got to do the fucking work. There's no way around it. And you've got to, yeah. you've got to push through. And there's a great book. There's a great book I love by Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday, who oh, yeah. um, he's got two um, I really like. And he's he's all about the Stoics and Stoicism. And I'm a big fan of that. Enjoy the moment. You know, yeah. especially when I've traveled in my life, people are like, oh, how do you miss your family? I'm like, well, when I'm with my family, I'm with them. When I'm in the shower, I'm in the shower. I don't, I'm, I'm, when I'm working, I'm working and I shut the blinkers off. When I'm on a holiday, I'm on a holiday. Yeah. It's like, I'm lucky I have that. It's, I think it's in who I am as a person. But Ryan yeah. Halliday has the obstacle is the way. If it yeah, is challenging, it's probably the, probably the way to go, Ed. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I love that. I love stoicism. Stoicism, I think, is kind of like instilled into British nature, but not in a way where it's actually useful. It's come to the point where people just are like, oh, well, this is what it is. This is kind of how it has to be. And it's quite a British sort of, maybe an older British thing, like Winston Church and that like that. They were a bit more stoic than, than any of the people around Britain at the moment. But stoicism is such an important thing for people to to research ryan holiday's books like I've, i think i've read all of them apart from his one on marketing which i actually picked up yesterday to go and have a look at but the daily stoic i don't know if you've ever sort of picked yeah, up that i'm on the pod i'm on the podcast as well i haven't read the book yeah but i'm on the you know not the podcast the um the newsletter is it daily yeah. or weekly i can't remember now. oh the email yeah. one yeah, yeah um but like so that that book i think is such a a bible for people to have it's just every day especially yeah. people that don't read because even though this podcast is about books there are still people here that won't be reading every day even though you fucking should um <laughs> and it's just a page a day of just a quote and then him explaining it i think it's such a great idea and those texts from stoics to have lasted outlived the bible essentially really says something with the amount of censorship that's gone down through the years of, of things that have been cut out of society for them to have lasted that long. So like, it does mean that it's probably fucking right because humans haven't changed that much. It's just the stuff that we've got around us. 
Mate, you make a really, really good point. And, and um, Rich and I talk about it a lot. We both um, avid readers. Our, our biggest problem is, you know, again, going back to consistency and discipline, I always give myself the weekend off because I'm untrustworthy with um, my shenanigans I get up to. So I give my weekend off at the gym and, and reading, but every day it's 45 minutes um, uh, Monday to Friday. And I don't, and I, obviously I read more. Um, but just books I want to get through. And that consistency and discipline adds up um, over over the course of the year. But the, the, one of the principles of all the reading I've done um, is that the principles don't change. Um, yeah. You know, values matter. I don't care, you know, which way you want it. And that's why I give the, the you know, the, you know the, 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 the philosophy of giving first. In life, you can't get anything unless you sow a seed, unless you put wood into the fireplace, unless you put effort in first. Um, and that's why, you know, some of the things which I've got better at at times, you know, when I was younger, I was more flighty and hot-headed. but living the moment, no matter what happens to you in the day, embrace that moment. No matter how bad, no matter how bad um, or how challenging it is, right? So, you know, take it on board. And the thing we've got, the only thing we've got control of is our attitude. You know, it's the 90, 10% rule, you know, 10% can what happens is what happens to me. 90% is the way I deal with it. It's the attitude we take into every single day um, is, is, is important. And, and that flows through from stoicism back in ancient times. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. This is, this is an interesting one. Cause I don't get to speak to many C not CEOs, business owners. Sorry. <laughs> founders? Sorry, Richie. Founders? Founders, founders, founders. Um, <laughs> with your like philosophy and ethos sort of being built into the business, have you, thought about or do you run a book club within like with your staff at all no it's a it's a it's a good it's a good thing you know you know um you know we've we've done certain things where you know you know when we've had christmas parties we do fitness things and we 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 try to lead um by example but no we we don't um and it's a little bit probably um how do i it'll be tough it's Um, tough to make people read right Thing. Yeah, but it's it, it's 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 more about um, showing people the, the cause and effect, showing people the effect of you know good good reading and what you can get out of it, and and it's you know I, I'm I'm I don't brush to say that I'm I skew to more life lifestyle um, business books, but you know it also you know whether it's you know um, great biographies or you know health books or mar- you know mm-hmm. relationship books. You know, it's the one thing, if you get one thing, it's that one thing quote, if you get one thing out of a book, that's great. If you don't, I'm sure it will inspire your thinking process, even if it doesn't give you a nugget. And that's yeah. that's the most important thing. And it's similar to exercise. I think reading and exercise are great. When I, when I finish my reading, sometimes I'm like, no, oh, I don't really agree with that hogwash. It was the same thing, just in a different way. But yeah. I, I feel great because I read it and I start thinking, go to the gym, do some ex- exercise. Don't go to the gym. Just do some exercise for 30 plus minutes. And guess what? We'll go for a surf. You're all of a sudden in a good mood. That's yeah. the number one thing I, I, I would like to see because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we want to enhance people's life by doing that is giving them tools that they can, that, that can make them feel good about themselves. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the reason that I ask that is because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take on LinkedIn at the moment. I, I avoided it for a long time because I think a lot of people on LinkedIn just, 
suck each other off and, and tell each other how proud they are for their, their promotions. <laughs> and and, I, and I'm, just, I'm just not that guy. <laughs> I've got no boss. I'm, I'm my own boss and I'm, and I'm annoying as I am. Um, and I can't suck myself off. I've tried. You either can't or you can. But I feel like, I feel like I'm being interviewed by myself now. That's something I would say. Yeah. But, but essentially I'm trying to get people on LinkedIn in, I'm trying to say, look, go and start a book club with your staff. Cause like, if you start giving your staff books, making them think for themselves, empowering them to have 15 minutes in the morning where they learn an idea and they then think about it. I'm like, I'm surely like, you might not see the results for six months or a year, but like, I'm sure those staff will start doing great things off, off their own back. If they're able to take the initiative and like, obviously you can take a horse to water, but you, you can't make him drink, but like, yeah. have you have you read The Go Giver by Bob Burr? Because you've, no. you've got the attitude no. of it essentially, no, um, no. and it's no, no. it's about what you give as opposed to what you take in in business yeah, yeah. and in relationships. And essentially, if you read it, it would be a bit of confirmation bias for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I just think if if people were able to give that to their staff, especially if anyone's in sales or in marketing, if if people can adopt that attitude in a selfish way, the business would just reap the benefits of it. Well, and it's you know, just so you know difficult will, to get people to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And, but you know what I will do after this podcast? You asked me a question and it has challenged my thinking. What I will do after this podcast, I will share that with Rich because him and I, even though in our leadership group um, in our business, yes, we, we don't have a book club, but we share things we should read mm. and we make, make references and we, we, we've got a, a new gun guy coming on into our sales department, help our global sales, Justin Cosmina. I've always said the business only needs one, Justin, but now here we go. We've got two. Um, and, I, and I gave him a roadmap of um, the language we speak in our business um, is a lot of Jim Collins, my favourite business writer, but mm. from BE 2.0, Beyond Entrepreneurship, to Good to Great, Build to Last, Great by Choice, and How the Mighty Fall. So I asked him before he set up, I didn't force him. I said, "These are the if you want to understand our language and our thinking and, our, and how we build strategy in our business, this is the, these are the books you need to read. And, you know, he's already talking the, the, the language, but I will nice. challenge, I will challenge it to take that further in the business because I, I relate it back to, you know, um, if we go and brush our teeth once, right, we say no result. Or if we don't brush it one day, we don't see any result or two days. But that, mm. that, that discipline, repeated consistency or that lack of discipline, your teeth will fall out. And it's the same thing as what you just said then, Ed. I think that, that reading discipline do I see anything out of one book, two books, three books, four books? Maybe. Do I get some ideas? Maybe. But over a period of time, repeated, that consistency thing is that you start to become a person without you even realizing. And it's the yeah. same thing with exercising or eating, eating good foods. Um, you know, yeah. it, it doesn't it, just go have a green smoothie once, once, once a month or once a week. That's not going to help you. But if you, if you change your philosophy and you eat well, the majority of the time, it's the ninety percent, not the ten percent um, of what you do. Then, then you you'll find you'll you'll be healthier and, and more alert, and you know you have more energy and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, good yeah. point. Ed. It's like thanks, like you said earlier. It's like there's the, um, more. You're welcome. Um, the stuff you said earlier about like it's it's what you do when no one's watching that counts, and yeah. it yeah. is even when you're not watching yourself. Like the stuff that you just do every day is a habitual process. Like when we were first chatting on email, like you say, yeah, 45 minutes, five days a week. It's just what I do. It's just like, it, it's not really a negotiable thing. Um, I'm brushing my teeth. 
Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. And and like I I always say, like if you tie it to that as like a habit stacking thing for people who struggle, it's like, right, just read before you brush your teeth. If you don't read, you can't brush your teeth. And then you've got stinky breath and no one wants to chat to you. Um, <laughs> well, well, they might not want to chat to you the next time they see you. They'll have learned, learned from their lesson. Um, but you you mentioned those books there that you, you told me to have a look at. I did download one of them on Audible. Um, and I think it was the Good to Great book. Um yeah. And and who's that? You say it was Jim Jim Collins. Jim Collins. Jim Collins. Um, he's a an academic researcher. Um, I think he's an excellent researcher. There's great. Um, it's great to get theories from um, people who have obviously fought the fight and done it. But Jim's, uh, I think, one of the best academic researchers. Ex McKinsey's. I think it's McKinsey's. Yeah, McKinsey's. Um, Stanford. Um, and the research he puts into the book. So for good to great, they spent five years researching um, um, I, I, um, um, Dow Jones um, index and the companies who have been successful over a 30 year period. Um, and, you know, that, that book taught me, um, that was the first book of Jim Collins I read. Funny enough, the last book I've read of Jim Collins was the first book he's re- read, re- written, but the updated version, but yeah. it's it, it, the level five leadership in that book is f- first who, then what. Um, and it's the, the, about the premise of getting the right people on the bus and figuring out where to drive it. And the hedgehog concept is really a big thing for the hidden sea, which has driven us to get to where we get to. But people say, you know, lots of things, but don't worry about what you're going to do. You'll work that out if you've got good people. Um, and, you know, our overall business has um, had some success since it's been gone, um, since the beginning. A business grew from knowing no one in the wine industry to a dormant facility that had to fill a, fill a fruit and sell wine into out of three and a half thousand wineries in three years in the top 20 largest wineries in Australia within three years from a standing start. So wow. we, and, and people ask me, how do you do it? What, you know, what do you, who do you know in the wine industry? And I gave you a bit about my background. Richie comes from a growing background, but certainly not a customer. He never sold wine to anyone. We knew no customers. It was first about, the people getting those right people in your organization and then finding the right people as customers. I use that as well. And I'll just use the UK. We're really fortunate enough to meet um, the people at Kingsland and the early people was um, Kevin Wilson, um, Karen Wilson is a director, Andy Sagar um, uh, and, and Paul Braden. And t- still today, um, that's one of the strongest um, and, and they play a huge role in the hidden sea success in the UK market, but it's, they're great people that run yeah. a great organization. It's not a great organization with okay people. Uh, and that's, that was a real big thing for me out of that book. And then the hedgehog concept is basically finding the, the bullseye with um, what um, you're deeply passionate about. What can you be the best in the world at? And I'll come back to that rewind in a second. And what drives your economic engine? Um, passionate. Yes, we're passionate about the wine industry and, and fruit and growing. Really, my can I be more passionate than other wine growers? So then we 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 talk about the reason why we do what we do. Yes, we're super passionate about wine, but we're more passionate about our brand and our wine business doing something greater than just greater good than just for ourselves. What can we be best at the world at? What can we own? Well, we want to own. We want to be the ocean, uh, the you know the ocean health wine. Um, that we can be, we can own that space, right? right? You know, we have a purpose which is unlike any other wine brand. 
just so happens to sell great, great, great tasting premium wine. And then what's your economic drivers? And that's fairly obvious um, for our business. But we actually, in our economics, we actually, you know, as much as it is about the profit and loss and balance sheet to see, um, internally, it's much about how do we get to our goal and working back from our goal and relating that back to case sales. So that's, they're the lessons that, um, good, good to great that you know, I harnessed and um, yeah. we, we apply in our business today. Nice, nice. I like that. I'm definitely going to be checking them out. I've got that. I've got a lot of spare time in my hands where I'm now going to be stuck inside for a few more days um, with a stupid virus. So yeah, I'll definitely yeah, so, be um, yeah. checking on that while I probably do walk-in laps in my garden. Um, what what other <laughs> books or authors? Um, obviously, we spoke about Ryan Holiday, Jim Collins. Are there any sort of others who have had like quite a big impact on either sort of who you are as a, book, a person? Because I think people underestimate the the impact that a book can have on your personality because obviously through through life people change and obviously what you consume has an impact on that are there any big books that have impacts like your personality or more more on your business yeah um i haven't read it for many years but the first book was given to me by my father well actually funny enough actually stole it out of his um stole it out of his cupboard to be the, to be totally truthful, I was looking for something else, and I found the book, and it was um, "Thinking Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill. Um, yeah, I think they just made a movie out of that, and that was the first book I read. And in the early stages, I, I, funny enough, I, I was I, not that I was never needed motivation. I just wanted to to I always had this drive in me to to become a better person, um, um, and I'm still on that quest. You know, I, I make jokes about uh, I'm not happy where I am right now. But I'm extremely proud that where I am today, compared to where I was at 12 months, 10 years, 20 years, yeah, even, and that's that's how I live my life. So it's that you know, it's that infinite infinite game. Will I ever get there? I don't know, but it's that drive. And you know, Jim um, uh, Jim Rowan and Zig Ziglar and these type of things when I was really kid, when I was young, influenced me. And you know, and then I realised that you know, that's good, all that kind of stuff, and it's the right thinking. I had that. Then it leads into how do I build stronger values that, that I'm my non-negotiables uh, in life? And that when I moved on there and, and probably now just thinking about it out loud is, you know, who I really like listening to is I think it's the smartest human on the, well, this is what probably upset a few people. One of the smartest philosophers on the planet is Jordan Peterson and 12 rules on life. You know, I think if you follow those 12 rules, you can't go wrong. Um, health wise, here's, here's, a, here's a good one for you. So just like the non-negotiables, um, um, and I'm working on one of the big five. There's a book written by um, Sanjay um, Chopra. Um, Sh- Sanjay Chopra is Deepak Chopra's brother. Um, I can't think of the medical term, but he's uh, the leading um, um, liver specialist doctor in the world. And he wrote a book, book called The Big Five. Um, a little tedious through there, but there's five principles which I live my life by. Is you need to eat nuts every day. You need to get vitamin D, sun. You need to exercise you need to do meditation. The reason I'm laughing, the last one is coffee. You need to drink coffee and coffee is a superfood. And he goes into the research about if you drink um, uh, alcohol, you need to make sure you drink coffee during the day because it will reduce um, you gaining um, psoriasis of the liver. So, yeah, and it's a really interesting study. So the reason why I love it so much, I drink drink a bit of coffee plus I drink a bit of wine. So that's the balance for me, mate. Well, that's um, it. Auss- Aussies do good coffee, and I'm pretty sure in Copenhagen they must have some pretty nice coffee shops. 
Yeah, they they do, they do. But I reckon the Aussies, you know, the, the Aussies do coffee best. Like if you look at New York and Brooklyn, and and even through um, San Francisco, where that coffee that coffee culture started, there is Australians all through that. So yeah, we're really oh. fortunate to have a great coffee culture in Australia. Yeah, you um, can't beat a long black in Melbourne. That's no, that's no, peak. That's peak coffee. Um, that's peak. Yeah, that's cool. Are you are you a meditator? Then you said that was one of the big fives in there. Well, yeah, well, I was laughing as well. That meditation is my dad. You know, down like I, you know, well, I actually applied. I went. You know how I read. I told you I read forty five minutes every morning before I yeah. start my day because um, I usually exercise. I, I exercise in the middle of the day. I, I because I because of the time difference here. Um, the gym's not open at the time I start work anyway, so I can't get to the gym before the morning. So I do the, I do the, I do the, um, I do um, the reading. But I, 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 funny enough, I discussed this with Jake because he's done a lot of meditation and so on. And mm. I've just got to spend time when I have time with the right person. I, I find, I find when I do meditation, um, I, I, I'll fall back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I'll get up. I have a, I actually have a meditation bed in my office right here. And then I try to meditate and I'm like, ah, oh, this is not working. I'm going to fall asleep. So I'm, I'm trying to get better at that. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's a tough thing to get into. That's like the one, it's the, the one thing that I've stuck to for the most consecutive days in my whole entire life. I'm on like, yeah. I think 422 days consecutive. Oh, really? This morning. Yeah. And I, I get to a stage like sometimes I'll, maybe nod off a little bit but when you sit upright and then you start nodding yeah. off it, it makes it quite awkward to actually fall asleep when, when you're sat up straight but yeah. building sort of that habit as like a non-negotiable thing for me especially on an app where you get a streak and you're like well just hit, yeah. like maybe with your business partner or like or with with another mate it's just like make each other accountable make it a competition because i think everyone naturally likes a little bit of competition and when you're neck yeah, and neck yeah. with your mate and and then it becomes to a point where maybe one of you's ahead or someone drops off and it's just like a mutual encouragement to do it because I reached a stage where I was starting to sit for like an hour every morning. And that really? I found for the rest of the day, I just had no questions for myself. Like I just really? like, I can't focus on my breath for the whole hour, but the amount of things yeah. that my brain chuck up in an hour, I got nothing left to say to myself for the rest of the day. So everything's pretty clear. <laughs> like, like if you can, if you can do me a favor offline, send me, send me yeah. something, send me the app and the book. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm really, yeah. I'm really curious to do it. You know, um, I, I, and I'm not an app, big app person, but one of the apps that's helped me in my life I've used for now could be almost two years is, is the, um, the zero, the, the zero app fasting app. So I fast five days a week. Yeah. I take it easy on the weekends, eat what I want, but a fast yeah, 18 is my, um, is my minimum, but I, I eat most of all today, it will be easily 20. I eat early with the kids and then it's pretty easy for me to get to two o'clock with, with no food. It was my first meal. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, I like that. My wife does the same and yeah, well, we're both competitive. Um, um, uh, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's one of the reasons I think, you know, in, in addition to finding the right people on the bus, going back to that analogy, Jim Collins, first the who, then the what, is, you know, I'm extremely proud um, that the first person we got on our bus, which is in my bus, was, well, I can only say him because he's the first person next to me, um, is himself. And and he's super com- committed, super com- competitive. He's a competitive beast. Like, he's feeling, yeah. he's, one of his issues he needs to work on is fear of failing. He doesn't want to fail. He's a super competitive person, but not in the expense of the values that he stands for. Uh, and that's, yeah. 
and we're, we're similar to that. I'm, I'll probably, I'll probably take it a little longer to get as resolute as he he has, but in, in my lifetime. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's it's certainly that's where we we, we align greatly. That's cool. It's, it's good, like you said earlier, that you're quite different people, but obviously there are there are things that that tie you together quite closely. And I think like sense of discipline and stuff like, like you said that you do fasting and that your wife does fasting. Like I think fasting beyond whatever the health benefits are, I don't really know, but like it, it is a discipline thing. It's yeah. it's about being like, nah, that can wait. And I think being able to say, nah, that can wait is probably one of the best things that you can say in life. Yeah, you know the thing is for me, and it and it, it it's you know it's my, I get I'm if my dad heard this podcast he'd he'd laugh at my discipline. My dad is the most disciplined person to to the extreme, and I think discipline is important. But it's I'm going I'll re- refer back to Jim now. It's the power, the genius of and you know, and a lot of people is you know it's either or, and and and, and in built to last they go through the genius of and. It's purpose and profit. It's not just about the purpose and forget profit. Um, whether it's an NGO or not, it's about purpose and profit. It's about consistency and change. It's about freedom and responsibility. It's about discipline and creativity, you know, and, and the power of and. So, you know, yes, when it's time to be disciplined, you're super disciplined. Monday to Friday, I'm fasting, no matter fucking what, we're doing it. And if I don't, Right? No, no one's here. No one, no one, no one cares. But the energy builds up inside, and how filthy I am at myself, mm. or missing a gym session that wouldn't happen because I was lazy, um, but it, it, because I, I, I got distracted through my day, and I'm like, fuck, I didn't have the discipline to say no. I'm going to do that, and it's yeah. those little disciplines over a long period of time. It gives you the result, um, and it's, as you know, through stoicism, it is the journey. It is not the end game because there is no end game. It's an infinite game, in my yeah. view. I like that, and that's so good that we're almost at that hour mark. And that's such a good point to end on. <laughs> it's an infinite journey. I absolutely <laughs> love that. Um, thank you so much for coming on. We're, we're talking a little bit off air. We're talking about that um, meditation thing, but where obviously can people find you? Hidden Sea. Um, whatever you want to plug plug yeah <laughs> the, the, the the hub is the hidden sea.com go there it depends which country you know it'll revert you to um whatever country but that's the hub um we, we, we're strongly building on that from from our, our our like-minded business partners in our ally program to um to our ambassadors to, through to where you can buy our product but in the uk for the uk listeners um, you can buy uh, the, the Sav Blanc and right now and Rosé in Sainsbury's. In Asda, you can buy the Sav Blanc and Co-op. You can buy um, our Chardonnay. Um, and there's many more listings coming down the pipeline. And as we touched on before, we're just the gateway. And it's, you know, we say in our business at the Hidden Sea, we're not creating another drinking moment. We're creating a movement. And um, we're really grateful for everybody, including yourself, that's been a part of our movement um, since since we um, since July one, we've gone. We started our we started our um, set out on our goal to remove a billion plastic bottles. Yeah, that's amazing. How many is it at at the moment, roughly? Yeah, so uh, three million, three point two million, three nice. three million, just over three million, which is fifty thousand kilos of plastic. Now, put that in Jeez. perspective. That's over seventy thousand, so seventy dump trucks of plastic. We were talking about doing a stunt at G seven. 
and we're like, mm, should we dump the play? You know, and, 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 and we've talked about doing it at COP26. We, we got declined about being there. They don't want brands to be a part of, of the movement. And I think it's so hypocritical because it's yeah. commercial enterprises. It's going to fix the problem of the yeah. plastic pollution. And it's like, let's get in a room and talk about and rub each other's back and all these great things and communication and education. But who is actually out there doing the work? And I'm yet to find an organization, a brand, who's removed the most amount of plastic, the amount of plastic we have out of the organi- out of the ocean, why wouldn't they want us there as an example yeah. of what you should do with commerce? And I'll leave you with this. We're a for-profit business, but not in the expense of humanity. Right? And if we more organizations took charge like that, and it wasn't just a token amount for the environment, but really took charge, we'd be living in a better planet. Yeah, I love that. That's sick. Nice. Cool, man. Right, I will stop recording now. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. As always, all of the details for Justin and the Hidden Seat will be in the description of this episode. You heard it from him. You can get it in Co-op, Tesco, or Sainsbury's. And rumor has it that it's pretty good. And also. I think this whole being a conscious consumer thing is something that we're all going to have to sort of shoulder the responsibility of because, let's face it, the earth is pretty fucked, everyone. We all know that. No one likes swimming in a sea full of plastic. No one likes going to the beach and having the sand pretty much be plastic. I've done beach cleans before. It's not nice. I've had to pick up a tampon and stuff before. People are disgusting. And all you've got to do, quite simply, is just not be disgusting yourself. It's not that hard, you know? Just don't leave tampons on the beach. I was wearing gloves, obviously. But, yeah, it's still pretty gross. But, yeah, all of the information will be in the description of this episode. Obviously, if you need therapy, then hat off to you because you're making a step in the right direction. Just head to the link in the description of this episode. But I'll be back with book reviews and more guest episodes very, very soon. And, of course, I love you. Goodbye.